Welcome, this is DevSecOps episode 15 and today is only me Matthias and Julian and today we will talk about security in the remote space that we are in today. Hello Julian, how are you? Hello Matthias, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. Sitting here at my home, having yeah. coffee, talking to you is good. But <laughs> like everyone, start, yeah. But you start first. What are you working on? Have you learned something? What have you been up to in the latest time? Oh, I've been studying mainly for the certification of a data engineer wow. uh, on Google Cloud. It was mainly a refresher. I I used uh, I used most of those services before, but I, I would say that this. Um, the the topic is so vast, especially machine learning. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know how it's gonna go. It's uh, it, it there is many uh, I would say opinion about which problem, which machine learning model is best for some kind of uh, problems to solve. And yeah, yeah I, I think it's a it's a very interesting space. I I really. Uh, you can see in the daily life, like most of the app now have some machine learning embedded yeah. in them. And uh, I think this is where the the technology and the industry in general is going. Yeah. But you but, see it as, I mean, it's like a nice word as well, machine learning, AI. I think it's, it's the world that's being dropped all the time now. If, if you're building something... Uh, Mm. Everybody's dropping like, "Hey, we're gonna have machine learning. We're gonna have AI on that." And it's it's uh, it's, it's a nice way. I mean, you even have uh, IO ops. So what do you call it? Ops IO, or what do you call it? Yeah, AI ops. AI ops, right? Yeah, it's, for when you use hmm, definitely when you use machine learning to make prediction about yeah. the workload you're gonna have and how much you should provision a cluster. I, I think that. Yeah. At scales, the, there's a lot of uh, savings involved, so it's yeah. it brings a lot of value, I think, yeah. and that's that's better than having someone to be being an expert, spending years training to to become an expert and almost guessing or feeling those things, uh, yeah. like yeah, maybe we should do like this, maybe we should do like that. I, I would say that it scales much better when a computer do it, but yeah. I also like when when a computer does it, it's usually based on, on data. Yeah. It takes a, a decision based on data, historic data, maybe new data, and then like from this data we can do it. And I think usually it's right. When I as a ops, sometimes I just go for like, ah, ah, yeah, I think we need to scale. Sometimes it's just to be, I don't want things to break and then I scale too much. Otherwise, I, I don't know. And you take, yeah, yeah. Do you do wild guess basically? You're like, ah, let me let me run this one and see what happens. And uh, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. It's exactly, and sometimes it works and you don't know why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, it's, it works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. But I, I think in the terms of uh, security, there is also a lot of. Um, of impact, like for anomaly yeah. detection, like you, you yeah. could potentially uh, detect um, traffic that is uh, unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and that can be that is also a machine learning that where you it's a problem where you can apply machine learning yeah. to to solve this. I, I actually looked at at, at Falco uh, for the Kubernetes cluster, and uh, also we used this this company called shit I forget the name. Uh, well, you can basically set up like two environments and then you can deploy your application in, in your first like your int and then you can run your test and then uh, from that you get like sample data how your app behaves mm. and then you deploy it to production and you take that sample data and apply it as a as a rules and then if the app behaves the same as it did in a test environment then everything is fine if it starts doing something else you get a lot of saying, well, your app is not behaving mm. uh, as it did in a test. What was going on here? Mm. Yeah, that can yeah. bring to an enormous amount of value and time to market. When you're trying to ship something, the, the feedback is much, much quicker. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can deploy. But to, to come back of the, the topic of today, yeah. which is the yeah. security in the, basically in the remote workplace. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of, uh, well, at least I, I've been there myself, and yeah. I think a lot of people can identify with the fact that um, connecting to a, through a VPN can sometimes be cumbersome. Uh, I, I, I still have the scars of debugging the network. I, I think at some point I had Wireshark just to, to check, to make sure that the, the traffic was really going through yeah, it, it, it's like the average person should not have to go through those things. And no. I don't know, I see cloud providers helping a lot with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think when I worked with uh, the security before and, and uh, the PCI and, and you have like... Uh, in that you have this idea of like uh, a trusted network that all your developers are in and then that connected to the to the production environment but mm. uh, at the company I was in pe- people shows their own equipment and it's like okay it's just you bring your laptop home and you have your it's, it's like private computer that also your work computer and that's fine I mean mm. I will I only want one computer right yeah uh, so, so so when i looked at it, like i'm no way i'm going to force this and stop people for having whatsapp or whatever on a laptop so just make sure that everything is like we have no trust in the network mm. everything is connected to this production when we have the, the pci and then everything external like every laptop developing it's like let's classify it as something that we cannot trust yeah and and uh and then there are then other things come in. I mean, you have to verify when it's in date and, and developers in it can check the code. But uh, as I said now, when you have a company, you have this, oh, we have this network that's trusted. And then we have the service and the production environment. And that test uh, secure as well. And you as your developer working from home, you have to first connect into this trusted network. And then from that trusted network, you can reach the services that you need. And yeah. um, as, as, as is said before with, with machine learning and the tools, in the older days, 
when you bought security or you set up security, you, you were thinking like walls, like I have this fort here and we can talk to that and we can, you know, send signals with a flag and nobody can come between them. But today we, we're like, let traffic in and then we detect on behavior what's going on. Mm. And we cannot stop bad things coming in. Let's detect it instead and take false actions. And if you have that approach, this idea with secure VPN networks just isn't very modern anymore. Yeah, I need to also add a lot of... It becomes cumbersome by the time where you just specify a range of IP that are allowed to access. It becomes a little bit, I would say... Uh, the, the usability of something becomes harder because the authentication, it, it's more like yeah. a, in your house, you know, every everybody in your house has access to everything. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean it's you. <laughs> no. No. And, and so the, 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 the problem with that is that the user, I, I think there's always a trade-off between security and usability but yeah. do you have any idea of what what would be the is there a practice that would help people to have a more secure workplace uh, without without it being too cumbersome yeah what what i i mean first people are hardest computer is easy in in my opinion but but i think it's like i'm trying to first have a good like basic computer security practice like with your password we can link you click all those like basic things that we know today but you need you need to know that everybody has them as a developer and and worker like, like everybody knows these basic things right don't use yeah. admin, admin as a password those are the basic uh, but then i'm trying to, to make make it make it open to, so I see it like when I'm protecting my production environment, I can't. It's like in in, in a fight, man. You wanna you, you wanna choose your own battlegrounds, right? You wanna yeah. choose the platform where you take the battle. Definitely. And if today people can choose their own platform, like people choose Windows, right? Yeah. And they choose Mac and they choose Linux. I mean, they have their own platform, and mm. and and my platform is, is Linux. So I don't want to take a battle on, on, on the Windows platform. So where can I take the battle? Well, uh, actually the build server. And before we had Jenkins. Oh, Jenkins is something where everything that goes in production needs to to pass through. Right? Yeah. You build something. Okay, Jenkins then. I choose Jenkins as my platform then. And then I added controls and things to make sure that the data that comes in to Jenkins was it's been scanned and it was I know who we come from and those sort of things. Uh, it's just the other platform to verify the code coming in. That is just for, for code then. And then uh, for for like connections, like you log into portal or something, I just make them sure that they were all accessible uh, through internet, right? You can access yeah. them no IP mm-hmm. restrictions, they were all open and then just uh, a good login mechanism that you know, refresh tokens and all that things were properly set up, and then just monitoring the traffic. Like, what's going on? Is this a 
used mod security to set up rules like, okay, how is this application used? Uh, first, you go to this page and you list your objects and then you pick an object. Okay, that's a normal behavior. That's fine mm-hmm. then. But if someone come in and start directly like viewing an object and not like listing all the objects first, oh, okay, what's going on here? You, you jumped over a step here that's not usually what people do. Okay, this is something else here. Um, I, I, I think that's that's more my kind of security uh, thinking and behavior. And I think that will, I, I had, I can't remember it, but, but I was, when I was in university mm-hmm. uh, having IT security, there was something that struck me. I don't know where the quote is coming from. Maybe someone can help me, but security shouldn't, you shouldn't notice good security. Yeah. If good that's security true. is in place, you as a developer should not notice it, right? Yeah, good design is a design you don't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You should be able to work your daily work, connect to the services that that you have, and and you shouldn't even notice that security in place. You just be there working. And I like, I really, that's been with me since then. It was like 10 years ago, but it's still something that I'm trying to, to, to work with. So basically, having a VPN connection connecting to your office network is not really transparent, no. if I should say. No, 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 no. And mm. we all see that problem. And we all been there with VPN and trying to connect to the servers. And where is the DNS going now? It's going out. Oh, I have another internal DNS server when you're in the net in the VPN. So I need to change my DNS to the then a server inside uh, the VPN yeah. network and it's not working because oh, yeah. yeah DNS it's just, it's, <laughs> yeah it's just making a lot of extra trouble and actually now with, with TLS 1.3 is arriving yeah. uh, we see that this problem also come up with you, you don't know the host name what you're connecting to so yeah. you can't really start proxying TLS 1.3 I mean Look, look at what China did. They just block it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no 1.3 is allowed here. And if you're an IT guy working in an environment and you have like a TLS proxy, today enforcing some uh, hostname checking on TLS, it's not going to work on TLS mm-hmm. 1.3. You need something else now. And you can't look in traffic and you can't see where the traffic is going. And yeah. if, if if you're also working DNS over HTTPS, you don't really know what's going on. You see this traffic going to uh, Cloudflare DNS server and then traffic come out to different IPs. But And would uh, SSH be a replacement for that? Like, could you... If I'm just talking about connecting to server here, not browsing, although it's possible through SSH. But yeah. what is what would be the the best architecture to not having to have a, an allow list and a deny list for um, for the IP where SSH can where people can SSH to the server from? Yeah, this would. I think that IPs are. I, I don't. I don't like those because IPs means that you have a static resource, and of course, you have some static IPs. But when you're moving more and more to AWS clouds, IPs like constantly shifting, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think with IPs, you get like uh, you get bound to something, and I don't like that. I like if you SSH, you have you have your key. 
it's you use your key and if you have your key you're will be accessible and then I can of course do some IP checking so I can check where your IP is coming from and those sort of things instead so if I see that your Julian is 88 in from from Sweden now mm-hmm. and then 50 minutes I see you in from from China yeah okay here's something that don't match up here okay yeah, this yeah. Is strange. And you see, that's good security that's not being noticed. I used to work in the background, like, okay. Because yeah. it's not really a problem that you check in or SSH in from any IP in Sweden because you can be on your cell phone and, you know, it's, it's just jumping around. But if I see something else coming, like you accessing from another IP, then... Something I, I, might be going on. I want, yeah, I want to, to take that. Uh, also, I mean, I'm working more and more with with the cattle approach of servers. Yeah. So pet, pet versus cattle. So you don't yeah. consider the server as your pet. You just treat them as a cattle. Yeah. So I'm trying to like go into Amazon and then have servers that don't live that long. I mean, now with Kubernetes and setting up the work groups, I'm working on it. Have trying to update it now, but I plan on enforcing like some some Chrome job that just take the the node that be the longest and just kill it, and then it's been replaced from the from the the, the pool of service. So you always have the, the correct numbers, and then I can have that running. So I don't have service running more than seven days, maybe or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that. Uh, that's more a secure approach, right? And then I don't need SSH or other tools. It was nice when you did like the PCI and you say like, no, we don't have any login. You can have no access to service. You're just going to kill them. Yeah. It's like so many things that you don't, then they fall out of scope. You don't have to work with them. Like user management, ah, you can't log in, right? Yeah. Logging and- admin actions. What admin actions? There are no admin actions here. It's just like, I will spin up some CPU memory and then we use it with pods and then it goes away. And uh, have you heard something about uh, there is this new uh, trend where I see a lot of articles written about using SSH certificate instead of SSH keys. Have you heard anything about that? No, how do you mean SSH certificates and stuff? Okay, so you use like keys uh, certificates for logging in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So basically, you don't have to have someone else with access to the server to yeah. to log in and add your key inside yeah. the server. The certificates use cryptography to authenticate yeah. you, given that, of course, you the certificate the the accepting. Uh, certificate is on the the server. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good approach because then you get like the unique certificate as well, and you don't have to log in with a user password first to add it. So mm-hmm. it sounds sounds pretty good. Also, I think this certificate is is coming back more and more. I remember a couple of years ago when I was like on. Conference and the solution for every security problem the company has was like, let's set up your own PK infrastructure with certificates. Like, yeah. it's all solved. Like, you get a certificate, you get one, and then we can control access. 
And I was thinking then, like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, but now I might have to rethink about it. I have another question for, for you then. That okay. I've been thinking about the latest days there, right? The latest what? Yeah, the latest days. This just pops up in, in, in my head. So let's see if I am thinking correctly. In, in my Kubernetes cluster now, right? I have um, Elasticsearch running, right? And I have this pod sending data to Elasticsearch. Okay. And I have it encrypted traffic. You send in plain text, right? Over the cluster network. Yeah. And people say, oh, but you need like TLS here. So that the Fluent is send it over uh, TLS. Yeah. The problem with TLS is that it's only verifying uh, the server. It doesn't verify the client, right? You need to log in with some settings as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was thinking I'm just going to have my cluster set up with non TLS or non HTTPS, right? Everything's plain text going forward. And then instead of like enabling uh, TLS like in Elasticsearch, I would deploy like Linkerd or some Envoy proxies. Mm-hmm. And they will set up mutual TLS. A mutual TLS verify the server and the client. So they, I know that they're both okay to talk with each other. Yes. I th- yeah. think, what, what are your things about that? Yeah, I, I think it's a it's an it's a great step of evolution because then you know FluentD and Elasticsearch don't need to know anything about encryption; they just receive traffic. So yeah. it's a, a lot less. Um, I would say they, they have to care about less less security. They have less security concern. If you yeah. The the yeah. the thing I see with a and that's what a service mesh does it's yeah. uh you know you deploy a sidecar to all your pods and the traffic goes through the sidecars yeah and those sidecars encrypt the traffic uh, among themselves yeah. so the, the yeah. problem you, you have after that is how do you configure those sidecars and this yeah. is what we call a service mesh the service mesh is the the control plane that actually configure the sidecar and handle the 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 rules for the traffic yeah the the neat thing about a sidecar is that it's a single piece of so- software that has been almost rip off the the code base so it, yeah. it's a separate entity it lives it's almost part of the infrastructure yeah exactly but yeah the 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 complexity of that comes when well actually you need to debug something or you understand like the, the, the complexity, you, you will not see any error in, in your application. You you yeah. have to, to come and debug the infrastructure, which yeah. as a developer might be a bit uh, tedious and complicated. Yeah. So the, the, the trade-off is very much how much, uh, yeah. how, how much do you need that? Like how many yeah. services really need encryption? Of course, it's a really good practice to encrypt everything. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it's not. I just, it's like a, having your own public key infrastructure. It's it's a great. I, I think it's a. It, it allows for great flexibility, 
Yeah. On the other hand, uh, you have to maintain and secure that public yeah. infrastructure. So yeah. the 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 trade-off is always uh, well. It depends, <laughs> yeah. so, which is. Yeah. Uh, uh, what I like with it is like it's it, as I said before, like we have security and because when the fluency and elastic search is over TLS, so it's secure. But you as a developer, when you're working with it, setting up and testing. You don't have to use TLS. You can test on your local machine. And it's going to work fine, right? Yeah. It's, sim- it's simple to test. It's super. You can do like water shock to tr- see where the traffic going. And oh, it's, now it's working. My app is working. You deploy it to the cluster. And the cluster like, okay, I'm going to encrypt these endpoints. The the pods or the search, they don't know what's going on. They send traffic, plain text, and then the other one is taken care of. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm trying to... Actually... Deployments, you don't. I mean, then I can deploy it to int without this mutual TLS, and then you can test it there. You can see, and then it goes live. I use the same setup, but in production, the cluster is a little bit different. It has a different structure, and this takes care of the, the TLS part. Um, yeah, so the, there is actually a service mesh is not the only solution. You can, no. you could potentially, depending on your requirements for security, you you could uh, have something in the network layer. So so you know, yeah. very much lower level than HTTP or, or TCP/IP. So yeah. there is this project called Cilium, and they use yeah. uh, BPF to yeah, actually right. because right now the the sidecar is using IP table, and yeah. those IP table they need to be, you know, configured somehow. So the, the sidecar needs quite a high level of privilege uh, on the machine yeah. to be able to change those uh, networking IP table rules. Yeah. On top of yeah. that, every time an IP, a new IP come, they have to be updated and everything. So, so you might have lag, you might have uh, some delays. And, and so the behavior of, of the cluster might become erratic for a while. Uh, if yeah. you if things change too much, yeah, yeah. The 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 thing is that if you go down very at a very low level and you encrypt at that level, that could also be a solution. And then you don't have uh, so much because I don't, do you know anything about BPF like the yeah, Berkeley no, I, packet I, I, filter? Oh yeah, man, I love it. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's. It's, I don't know why people don't talk with it more. It's like when you hear what it can do for security. Yeah. As I said, Cilium is a great project. I did see a demo of Cilium on some KubeConf when they like, have traffic running, like we can see traffic running, and then you shoot up uh, two Cilium proxies between them. And it's like traffic didn't stop. It just like, and then it was over in, in the proxies, proxies and traffic. And then it's like, yeah, now I'm going to interfere with the traffic now. One out of fem- five requests would be like 400. And then it changed the, the timing. like, And then adding delays. And it's like, this is really good for like some kind of chaos monkey testing, right? You can see how the yeah. app is working. Definitely. Uh, and also, Falco is a great project for security. It also used uh, the Berkeley package filter for, for monitoring behavior uh, on the Linux kernel. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, so I would say that it really depends on your um, 
on your requirements and the technical skills because not yeah. everybody knows the Linux kernel and you know those kind of things. Yeah. It, it can get complicated really fast. Yeah. But from from if we come back to a user perspective, yeah, like uh, there there are many tools like just having a password manager is already something that I thought everybody had, uh, <laughs> yeah. but apparently not. And yeah. I there's also those. Um, cryptographic key so the yubi key yeah you know the two the the two-factor authentication part where you actually have the key living inside a chip on on a small usb key and that one the browser has an api for that for instance so you can github use that uh, gmail you can have to and those kind of things so that is a much better uh Oh, I would say, but I would not, I should not say better. I would say it's a more, much more usable security primitive than having a certificate lying in a on your file system or a, yeah. a private key. Yeah. What do you I, think yeah. about the usability of those uh, I, keys? I think they are great. I think if, if instead of like having those tools and then you have your, your laptop and then you have a certificate and we log in with SSH and you can just have uh, that uh, key. Sometimes it's like a, it's like a keyboard and they just type in like this long string of password that you don't know, right? Yeah. And for example, you can encrypt your certificate with that. So when you want to, to SSH in uh, with a certificate, you're going to ask you about the key and then you use the YubiKit to enter the, the password. And then you get access, and then you have your session for like fifty minutes, and then you're closed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this to take it away uh, from it and don't have. I mean, I, I mean, I, I checked in keys and stuff to GitHub, and I get the the email from from Google saying, "Oh, now you have your your JSON keys lying in GitHub, and you need to revoke this." Like, oh shit! I mean, it's, it's so simple. It's no. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I like that approach uh, a lot. I think that's good practice, and if it's it's not that hard. I mean, you start your uh, your computer. So my my laptop is just locking all the time. I have this screen lock, so I'm just gonna unlock it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good approach. Uh, so I mean, have having a laptop with have access to everything, and uh, it's free to use as developers. You're not blocking developers. Mm-hmm. Security that not inflict or, or make any noise, just be in the background. And uh, the eBPF is, is awesome for that, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think, I think that's the way to go. I see the new companies are coming up. They don't have this strict security in place. If you go to, uh, and they are really creative and, and can and can work. And developers are free. I mean, developers are driving the. The evolution tree, right? Yeah, I, I don't know about that uh, really. It's more like uh, the the way I see it is that there is a need for more flexibility and faster result. And yeah. the the way that gets done is usually through code because yeah. it's it's like a, you know I would say it's easier to write code than to buy hardware from a third party yeah I, I mean i don't know if you've been through a 
a process of trying to buy something through the company and having to fill in all those forms and justifying and everything. Sometimes you just want like, okay, we're going to fix this ourselves. It's, it's, we, we know how to do. Yeah, and yeah. so th- th- there is this trade-off as well. What I, yeah. I saw even companies, they, they give up on, uh, on hardware completely, meaning they just provide like a, a very thin client to, yeah. to employee, like a Chromebook or, or something just like, it's just a, a web browser with a very little RAM. And what they do is they go to a, to the cloud provider and connect into a terminal inside the browser. Yeah. And from there, they are authenticated with, you know, password, two-factor authentication and everything. And yeah. they have the access without ever being, um, without ever going through the whitelisting or the, the uh, I should say, allow list of an IP, no. you know, like I, IP are so, like I, I, IP is a very complex uh, concept if you think about it because they change. You have some range that are reserved for some purpose. You yeah. you might not, it's not so obvious, especially now you have IPv6 uh, yeah. because we all run out of IPv4. And uh, so, so right now when, if you are someone who was writing code, and you have to deal with those things just to be able to do your work. Well, how much time are you going to spend just trying to do your work instead of you doing your work? And and yeah. so the, the reason developers probably are driving that more is because they complain a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a, yeah. I, I was one of them. I, I know exactly how it feels to to be like, but I do, how am I supposed to deploy? I don't have any access. I, yeah. you know, the, something is broken. And so... Yeah. There is a lot of uh, of procedure, and I think Google has has written a paper about it called Beyond Corp, and cool. that is very much a, a few set of rules. Like, uh, for instance, the the origin of a request should not determine its access. Its access, yeah, Me- meaning I- IP yeah. allow list are not the way to go there, um, and so. Um, you also have the trade-off. Like if you do everything through HTTPS, uh, you have more overhead than if you go to TCP because HTTPS is higher up the stack. Yeah. So you have more processing to do. Uh, it's uh, so, so th- those things are. It's like a new era for security, and yeah, yeah, in yeah. in the day of age where everybody has to work from home, I think that's I would say a good trade-off to. Um, Migrate to a more to security more up the stack. Yeah, and and to like change from this behavior, like keeping things out and having secured beacons and things, to like more like monitoring and like see how things are being used. And and this idea that you are secure is is not true. I mean, things will happen and. Good security is about detecting that things are happening first and take actions, right? Definitely, definitely. I think, and this with IP. I mean, I have a a setup. uh, I did see a a Kubernetes cluster, uh, and uh, it was deployed with uh, external IP. So every node has had an external IP. Yeah, right. That's crazy. Uh, But (laughs) the 
best part was it was also those externalities were then whitelisted at the uh, API endpoint, right? So mm. they have these nice Kubernetes clusters, but uh, the worker nodes were fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Because they had IP and that IP was open. So you couldn't scale adding more nodes because oh. then you will have new IPs and those new IPs wasn't whitelisted. Uh, you couldn't roll and update a node because, you know, if you rolled one of the nodes, you would get a new IP. So yeah. it was like, okay, uh, we need to redo this, right? But that, that just proved the point that those things are really complicated and to yeah, to come up yeah. with a good design from the start is actually quite an achievement. Yeah. And I would say, yeah. like, if you think in terms of security, think about a castle. In the castle, yeah. you have the moat around the castle. And, and the wall. But once you pass that, you are inside the castle. You, yeah. you can do whatever you want, go in every room and everything. Instead, what about just, you know, opening the, the wall and the moat and in yeah. every room you have a guard that check if you're supposed to be in that room. Yeah. And that's, actually, they do that for yeah. building. You know, you go to any office, there is some part that are reserved and you're, you need an access card to, to get in and some parts are free and available. And so if we can do all the work we've done in actually physical security into the uh, software security or the IT security, I think we would be much better off. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have also, I, I worked at this big company before and, and uh, it, it was fun, you know, uh, this was many years ago, when we tried to bring in like new open source software into to the company. Mm-hmm. Actually, you have to like write a document saying why you need it and why uh, the commercial, the one that were only used, wasn't good enough. And then there was like this group of people that would look it over and then like take a judgment. And then you get like, okay, you're approved to use it. And it could take like six months. Like, wow. We're like, mm-hmm. what? But we need this like tool now. We're gonna start like building. Uh, we build like mod security. We have like open source firewall. We need this right now because we're gonna start using it to block traffic. It's like, ah, oh, it can take six months. Like, we well, nah, it's not going to work. Yeah, I I uh, feel the pain. I feel yeah. the pain. So yes, girl, I was also at this like security meeting. <laughs> it was this uh, firewall. It was in, in the UK at the company, and it was this uh, firewall vendor who was there, and they talked about developer and security. And they said, like, yeah, but um, how if a developer builds something, how are we going to test it that it's secure? Like, and, and the firewall firewall vendor, like, yeah, but we can spin up in a virtual box, and then we can shoot traffic in, and then we're monitoring like all traffic that goes out, and if if it's good, then we, we allow it to be deployed. And I like raise my hand, like, why why are you doing all this, man? You, you have mm-hmm. like developer. How about you like trust them? Like two developers can look mm-hmm. the code. If it's good, it's good, right? Yeah. Uh, adding adding other things here. Why why we do that? And the the faces people. That was many years ago, but they're like, no, oh, no, we're gonna have this in place instead. Yeah, tooling is a big part of it. I I think, as you said, like it's people have a hard time letting go of their old old tool if they are used to it, which is understandable. Um, The the 
the problem that people face is also communication. Like, I don't know, you you remember uh, pre-DevOps world, it was yeah. the wall between Dev and Ops and all, yeah. all those things. And each yeah. has its own uh, way, uh, vision of the world. Yeah. Um, so... I, I think security needs to be embedded into the the discussion. Uh, yeah. Now, how the discussion is is conducted that's uh, that's another matter. Yeah, but but it's also like the easy approach, right? Uh, I mean, the I think the easiest approach is just to lock it down. It's, it's the same where everybody trade. If if you uh, have, I mean. If you have, if you're worried that the developer is, is going to do something bad, just like lock them in a cage, then then it's fine, right? Lock them in a cage; they can't do anything bad. That's like yeah. the easy approach, right? That's like mm-hmm. you know, people have with security for many years. Like, okay, I don't know what to do. Just lock it in a wall, and then we monitor everything and make sure. But yeah, yeah. today we see like, or like when you grow up, when you know more stuff, you see that well, if you talk with them, explain to them, and like help them with tools they won't do anything bad they can actually help you here right and i see that's the security that we see today come coming out it's not so much about locking in people it's more like trust today trust people teach them trust them and then have some tools that it takes if something it's it's going on right Definitely, I think trust is a is a prerequisite to any relationship you want to have. If you don't yeah. trust the other person, it's very difficult to to have a, a relationship. And that that's also, I mean, uh, there was this discussion on LinkedIn. There was this guy asking, like, how do you protect yourself from internal hacking? Right? How do you protect yourself? What's the best approach to protect your company from internal hacking? And all these people was shooting like, yeah, you need a DMC, you need firewalls and things. And then I reply like, hey, why don't you talk with your developer and see if, if they're happy, right? Yeah, definitely. If the developer are happy working there, why would he do something harm to your company? I mean, that's yeah, what, that's what the, the, the good companies do today, right? If, if you're a happy developer, people are happy to work there, you give them freedom, you trust them, they won't do no harm to you. But if you treat people like shit, they will treat your company as shit. Yeah, that's, that's a very valid point. Also, I saw recently that Twitter got hacked um, yeah. with some social engineering. So yeah. it might not be that the, the user, the, the, the developer are ill-intentioned. It could be that yeah. the... You know, somebody made a mistake somewhere, but especially if you work in a big company where you don't know everyone, somebody yeah. come and need help. Uh, it's very hard to tell if, especially if they come in your private Slack, uh, that they are not from the company. So it yeah. could be, it could be very much um, some, there, there is also a fine line and that's why it's always like um, trust, but verify. You know the 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 it, it's a saying about okay, just have a way to verify that the person is who that person say it is, and um, also provide a good usability. If, if as you said, like if secu- a good security is a security you don't really see or it's not in the way. 
So it's a it's a big trade off. I, I think that in the in this day of age, uh, security is more important than ever. Uh, oh, yeah. Especially since uh, everybody is stuck at home, so those, uh, you know, the networking is a little bit more distributed than in a central physical location. Yeah, and that can lead to it, it's a good thing and a bad thing. You understand? Like it, the, the transition is not easy, but it's necessary. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I see also now that people will apply for new work. They're going to ask like, "How can I work from home?" Like it's going to be. <laughs> People will have that demand now. It's not going to be like, oh, this is office work. No, that's not going to fly. And people's demand will also like drive security to new things. And and you need to, to adapt. You cannot force people into your security. Security needs to follow along where, where, where a developer wants to go and where also follow the market people. Like You have to follow all this and take care of it. Mm-hmm. You can't lock people in and say, okay, you want to be here. Here's your box, man. Just follow this certificate, and here's a VPN. It's, yes. it's bound to, to, to be to be a problem, uh, and uh, yeah, I. But we see how, how it goes. It's it's a it's a nice thing. Uh, also, um, I did see like uh, I've been to so many of these security things, but other things come up as well. Uh, there was this uh, company showing off uh, a ransomware. The company was ransomware. Mm-hmm. They uh, and they had these forensic teams, and the forensic team are always like these cool people. They they're like James Bond coming in with people. Some company being hacked, yeah, and they're trying to dig out what's going on. And uh, I, I was at this, this small meeting, and they described how this forensic team come, and they like oh, okay, there's a ransomware here. Let's see, okay, they find out uh, the IPs. Okay, everything is encrypted. Okay, but we see this IP. Okay, damn, it's coming from a Tor network in uh, Ukraine, right? Oh, okay. we can't do any much more. Like, uh, but but um, it was a cool talk. But in the end, when, when I thought about it, like, yeah, but that's how it is today. And uh, when, when somebody come in and like hack your your your, your network, uh. You would probably find the IP in some other country like China, Russia, and you can't really do that much because you're a private company. And who are you gonna call, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not like there's nobody's coming to help you. So then it's like, so why, why bother, right? You get hacked if they didn't steal that much, or you can't find him the close IP. Why? It's it's not gonna lead to anything good. So instead of like focusing on this like finding the guilty person shift focus and say like how can I protect myself the fastest so I'm mm-hmm. trying to build the infrastructure and security that will like detect uh, something happen and then react by kicking that person out of the network Yeah, and mm-hmm. then my process will be faster than they can get back in so I can I can rotate nodes, I can rotate apps faster than they can get back in, right? That's my security. And and in the process, I can also deploy fixes because I can probably see what they're using to get in. Mm -hmm. I I think monitoring is a very underrated uh, skills and it leads to so much good information. Like it, yeah. And it and also is like sometimes people say that like 
continuous deployment is, is bad for security, but I said, well, it's good for security because then I can I can deploy faster than then they can get in, right? Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good way of seeing it, seeing it. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I think time is coming up here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked a lot today. Yeah, it's it's this is something that I think about uh, a lot, right? Trying to make good security, but not be in the way and, and blocking, mm-hmm. like non-blocking infrastructure, non-blocking security. I don't, I don't, I don't like it when it's blocking. Definitely, um, but it's, it's it's good. Yeah. So we talked about uh, all the VPN stuff. That's uh, all the trouble people go through setting up their VPN. We talked about um, the zero trust network with the Beyond Corp paper by Google. We yeah. talked about um, Kubernetes and encrypting traffic uh, among nodes. Yeah. We talked about so many topics today related to security. But yeah, when you get started, it's like you you have this. We can we can go in deeper how how you do things. Some other times, like okay, I want I want to detect uh, things in in Kubernetes or in the deployment. What tools can you use and things like that? But that can be a more like a, a deep dive in in that subject. I think mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay. With those words, should we wrap this up? Yes, we should. Then I will say thank you for listening and uh, please go to the website devsecops.fm for show notes and other information. And John Gitter for our, if you want to participate to the discussion or tell us what you want to hear about. Yeah, exactly. Go to Gitter. That's a good thing. Okay. Thank you for listening and uh, hear from you soon. Bye. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes, go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.